Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And today for a few minutes I want to talk to you on this subject. Answer the door of opportunity. Answer the door of opportunity. God bless you. You may be seated. We live our lives from the womb to the tomb with various opportunities, some of which we see and some of which we miss. My pastor used to say, every time that the church doors are open, you have an opportunity to hear the word of God, to experience the presence of God, to get answers to your questions. But if you're not there and God provided the answer in that service, then you missed your opportunity. I believe God hears our prayers. I believe that God speaks to prophets and prophetesses. I believe that God speaks through people and confirms his word. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to hear what God is saying. Now today I want to show you three generations of Herod. Three generations of Herod and their opportunities. Obviously in Matthew chapter 2, we read about Herod, also known as Herod the Great, as he labeled himself. I am Herod the Great. Now Herod was a very wicked king, ruling in Judea and several other provinces by the authority of the Roman Senate, because the Romans were ruling over Israel at the time. Herod was known for his great building prospects and completions. He built the second temple, also naming that after himself called Herod's Temple. He built the port of Caesarea, and he built Masada for an escape route against the enemies. Of Israel. These were his three greatest building projects. However, he was also a murderer. And anybody that threatened his decisions or his kingdom, he had them murdered. And since he had the authority of the Romans, if it wasn't done by the Jews, it would be done by the Romans. But do you know what Herod will be remembered for most of all? It's marked down as the massacre of the innocents, 
the massacre of the innocents. In Matthew chapter two and verse 16, after the wise men did not come back as they had been instructed, Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all children, all the children, not just the males either, all the children that were in Bethlehem and in any coast of Bethlehem from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Can you imagine? Under three years old, all children killed. It breaks your heart to even think of such a thing. But that's how wicked this man was because he considered children a threat to his kingdom. He didn't want any competition. He was afraid of Jesus. He didn't want to hear about a governor that would rule his people. I'm the one that's ruling the people. I'm Herod the Great. And so when the wise men came to him from a great distance, seeking after Jesus, he said, you go and find him. Find him for me. And when you find him, tell me where he is and I'll come and worship him. We've got a lot of people these days that want other people to find Jesus for them. But you've got to find him all by yourself. God can give you people and God can give you opportunities and doors opened up before you. But you've got to go and seek him yourself. You've got to seize your opportunities the opportunities God gives. Herod the Great was so wicked that he, only, that he killed also three of his own sons. Sons that he didn't want to be the next Herod. But really what it came down to was that Herod was so prideful, wanted to keep control of his kingdom and his authority that he would murder anybody that got in his way. Herod was there at the time of Jesus's birth. Pilate was there at the time of Jesus's death. And both of them died terrible, terrible deaths after they failed to seize their opportunity. In the case of Herod the Great, he died of a terrible kidney disease that also affected his male members, and we'll leave it at that. Pilate died a terrible death. He died a suicide because he went insane. But he was warned by his own wife. Have nothing, I've had a dream. I believe God gave me this dream, Pilate. Don't have anything to do with this man. Release him, let him go. That was his opportunity. It came even from his wife. And Jesus gave him opportunity. He gave him an audience. He talked with him about truth. He had his opportunities. But Pilate, just like Herod the Great, was one that cherished his authority and his power and wanted to rule over his own kingdom and wanted to be a people pleaser. And Pilate could never get the blood off of his hands. And he too died 
a suicidal death. They missed their opportunities. They missed their opportunities. Herod's son was called Antipas. Anybody that has anti in front of their name is probably not somebody you want to be a friend with. But Herod's son was Antipas and he ruled from 4 BC to 39 BC. He was not as wicked as his father, but he was also an evil king. Mark chapter 16 is where we find that Antipas got his opportunity. And the man that God sent to Antipas was John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Mark Mark 6 and verse 18 says, John said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodus had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and an holy, and he observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. But Antipas never responded to the opportunities given to him to repent, to put the woman Herodus away from him since it was his brother's wife and he was living in sin. And Antipas, too, died a terrible, terrible death. You see, God gives us opportunities. It's up to us to seize the opportunities. Let me, let me give you a fictitious story. There was a, a terrible hurricane that was coming to the eastern states. Remember, remember, this is fictitious. And this man decided that he was not going to heed the warnings to evacuate the area. He was going to rough it through and and God was going to deliver him and save him from this terrible hurricane that was coming. So he climbed up on his roof and he waited for God to deliver him. He failed to heed the warnings of the weathermen and pretty soon the water was up to his door and along came a boat, United States Coast Guard, guy on a bullhorn, come off the roof, we're here to save you. He said, I don't need anybody to save me. Jesus is my savior. I'm staying right here on this roof. Jesus will save me. And the boat left without him. A while later, it was up to the roof. Here came the U.S. Coast Guard again. This time they came with a helicopter and dropped down a rope. Grab the rope. We can pull you up and save you. And he said, no, Jesus is going to save me. I don't need you. And they left and he drowned. After he had drowned, he went before God and he said, God, why didn't you save me? I had faith in you. And he said, sir, I gave you weather warnings. I sent you a boat and I flew in a helicopter and you failed to take advantage of your opportunities to be saved. I wonder how many of us have had opportunities to have been rescued and we pushed them away maybe because of our pride or we didn't want anybody interfering with our lifestyle or interrupting the way that we lived in our kingdom from our own personal throne. And we missed them. We missed our opportunities. Or how about the grandson, the third of the Herods, Agrippa, 
In Acts chapter 26, he gets an opportunity. His opportunity comes from the Apostle Paul. If you'd like to turn there in Acts 26, we'll read the conclusion of this story and Agrippa's opportunity. Festus accused him of being mad in verse 25. I'm not mad, most noble Festus. I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. And I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, here's my question. Do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And listen to the words that will enter into history concerning Agrippa. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You came pretty close, Paul. But I'm the king. Why would I want to be a servant to anybody? Almost, you were right there. I can't deny that what you're saying is true. But again, don't get into my life and don't get into my lifestyle. And he missed his opportunity. Almost sometimes or only in church is not the way that God intended for us to live or to make the decisions that we face when he knocks on the door of opportunity. Almost. I noticed something this morning, I didn't have this in my notes, but I, I wanna share it with you now. Let me tell you where you are today, just in case you don't know. You are in the house of God today. You are in the midst of the church of Jesus Christ. I got to thinking while I was standing there and I looked at my watch and you know what? That worship service was 35 minutes long. Jesus got a 35-minute standing ovation, and I can't think of anybody more worthy than that. 35 minutes, people standing, clapping, lifting their hands, and worshiping God because they were seizing their opportunity to be in the presence of Almighty God. And believing that he was right in their face, they worshiped him as such. I want you to know that when you're in the house of God, you're in a very, very special place. Listen to what Jacob had to say in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16. His first night away from home, and he had a vision from God. And he awaked out of his sleep in verse 16, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid. And he said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. Watch this. And this, you know what the house of God is? It is the gate of heaven. I really appreciate the house of God. I don't know about you, but... I'm really glad to be able to come to a place like this. It means a lot to me. The house of God 
is the gate of heaven. It is the door of opportunity. You've had an opportunity today to be in the presence of God. You have an opportunity today to hear the word of God. And it might be your last. The New Testament counterpart to what I just read is found in Acts chapter three and verse two. There was a certain man lame from his mother's womb and was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate, here it is again, the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. You're in a beautiful place today. You've entered through the gate. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? What an opportunity. What an opportunity. So Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, and Herod Agrippa all missed their opportunities. Let's take a look at the innkeeper. Luke chapter two and verse seven reads this way. Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I, I can't find how many inns were in Bethlehem. Maybe there was only one. But when they came to that inn and the parents of Jesus knocked on the door, that innkeeper had perhaps his only opportunity to meet Jesus and his parents. It was his only opportunity but it was probably late at night and cold outside. And when he came to the door and he saw that young couple standing there and his place had a no vacancy sign on it, he turned them away. I wonder how he felt the next day when he woke up and saw all this royalty there, wise men and shepherds and all this commotion going on over this stable that was just a short distance from his inn. I wonder how he felt then about his opportunity. I wonder if we could ask him today, what would you have done differently if you'd have known who it was that was knocking at your door of opportunity? I'll tell you what I think he'd say. I think he'd have said, come on in. Take my master bedroom. I'd rather sleep on the floor than have you out in the cold. Or what about the man that they came down a few blocks and they found a stable? Well, I don't have any room in my house. Uh, uh, There's no place I can put you, but you can go sleep in the barn if you want to. I wonder how he feels now after his opportunity had been passed and he put him in a secondary position with a bunch of animals rather than giving him the best that he had. But he missed his opportunity. Never again would he have such an opportunity. I wonder today, as God is knocking on your life, with an opportunity, come on now, an opportunity to know him, 
an opportunity to serve him, an opportunity to be saved by him, an opportunity to be healed by him. While he knocks on your door, what will your answer be? I'd like to come in. Sorry, my life is full. Sorry, I'm an important person. Sorry, I like my life the way that it is. Find somebody else that really needs you. Do you know what I think? I think that sometimes because we're so famous and we have so many things, we think we don't need God. And we'll, so we put him off and we say almost or come back in a more convenient season. Maybe when I get sick and I'm dying of a disease, that might be the time that you should knock on my door and I, I would be more receptive to what you have to say to my life. But wouldn't it be better that while you're healthy, do we always have to be in a crisis to need Jesus? Do we have to wait till we're broken, till we've destroyed our bodies with drugs and alcohol and, and, and all other kinds of sin? Do we have to wait for that moment and say, boy, I hope he shows up when I really, really need him, but not right now. Not today, some other time. Listen to the frustration of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you killed my prophets. What were they? People that were giving you opportunity. You stoned them which are sent unto you. And how often would I have gathered you, thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you resisted the opportunity that you had. You wouldn't have any of it. And now behold, your house is left unto you desolate. These are the results of missed opportunities. Desolate, empty, alone. God, how could you forsake me? I'd, I'd given you all kinds of opportunities, but you rejected me. Matthew chapter 24, after certain days when Felix came with Drulissa, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. He reasoned of righteousness. This is what Paul preached. Righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And how did Felix react? Felix trembled. Can you picture him shaking like this after hearing all about righteousness, temperance, and judgment? And just when you think maybe he's going to receive the Holy Ghost, he's vibrating so much, he shuts it down. He stops it. He turns it off. He pushes his opportunity away and says, I'll take the more convenient season later on. I do not find in history or in the scripture where any of the men that I have listed to you today ever had another opportunity again. It might have been the first, but it sure looks like it was the last. I know some people have, 
have said some things to me sometimes and I don't take offense to it, but I think today's a good day to give you an explanation as to why I am the way I am. Sometimes people think I'm a little cold before service because I'm not a social butterfly. I don't go around talking to people before service, but I'm telling you, I am so zoned in on what I believe God wants me to deliver that I do not want to have any distractions. I don't want to talk about the weather or people's problems. I'm, I'm zoned in. I'm ready for this. I want you to know that uh, after service, I can be a completely different person. I can be friendly. I can talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's great. But, but I really take this serious, folks, because I believe that it's possible that somebody could be in this sanctuary today and it's their last opportunity. And right here, feel free to walk up here anytime you want. You will find a very small gold plate and this is what it says. As if it were your last. That's what every message needs to be preached from. As if it were your last. Let me conclude with this today. When I first came to know the Lord in 1973, 45 years ago, short time after I received the Holy Ghost, I had a dream one night. And in that dream, I was back in high school. We were playing basketball. The gym was packed. People were yelling, having a good time. And, and I'm dribbling the ball up the court. And all of a sudden, around the entire perimeter of the gym floor, a fire breaks out, a ring of fire. And this fire is burning upwards. And people are scampering to get as far away from the fire as they can. And it's, it's a very terrifying thing. It's, I, I thought it was a nightmare. And I woke up. And I said, Lord, what, what is this? Why did you share this with me? This is what he said. He said, people are lost and headed for hell. And you're playing games. I, I still bear that 45 years later. Am I just playing games? I went, somehow I was able to go back to sleep. When I fell back to sleep, I had another dream. And in the second dream, there was a throne and one sat on the throne and, and a large group of people were behind the Lord. I assumed that to be the bride of Christ and I remember sitting behind. I never saw his face. I only saw his back and, and people would come before him and, and they would have a private conversation and then he would pronounce his judgment on them. And one man was approaching and I recognized the man. And I turned my eyes away and hoped that there wouldn't be any eye contact between me and him before he went and talked with the Lord. And when whatever took place between that man and the Lord took place, the Lord made this pronouncement. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And he began to weep and sob and he 
bent over and he hunched over and started walking away. And then he stopped and straightened up and he turned around and he looked at me. And this time there was eye contact. And he said, you never gave me a chance. You never gave me a chance. And to this day, 45 years later, I still remember that. And I look at people differently. Maybe when you get a little bit older, you don't care quite as much about what people think of you. But I've got to give them an opportunity. And so if you get upset with me sometimes, and you say, Brother Kylie, you're always pre- you somehow weave that Acts 238 message in to all of your messages. Every time I go to a funeral, there you are again, Acts 238, this, and act. And you're always preaching about being born of the water and born of the Spirit. And you quote it, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we go to these funerals and we go to these weddings and and we go to these church services and you keep preaching it over and over again because it might be the first and only opportunity for someone that is in that audience before they meet the Lord. They deserve a chance like you got a chance. You got a chance. Praise God. I've made my point. Let's stand together. So let me conclude with an obvious biblical conclusion. Revelations 3. I'll give you a minute to get there. Revelations 3. Answer the door of opportunity. Jesus said in Revelations 3 and 20, behold, I stand at the door. Do you know God is right in your face today? Just because you can't see it with your natural eyes. The things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal. But he's right in your face. And I knock. Opportunity knocking at your door. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, sup with him, and he with me. What an opportunity. And that's why every service, the preacher ends this way I'd like to present you with an opportunity to come to this altar today. Maybe your last opportunity to forgive somebody that you've held a grudge against for a long time. Maybe your last opportunity to forgive someone. Maybe your last opportunity to come to an altar and put your life on the altar and say, God, you're not going to be kicked out of my life anymore. You're not going to live in my barns. I want you to live in my house. I want you to have access to everything that goes on in my house. My house is your house. I want to be your temple. 
I want you to rule in every area of my life. He's waiting. No man comes to God except the Spirit of God draws him. It's your opportunity. Jesus, today, by your Spirit, draw people to perhaps their last opportunity to be obedient to your word and to accept your invitation. And we'll give you the thanks and praise. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.